You're listening to episode 11 of the Animation in Progress podcast, featuring the short film Devils, Angels and Dating. In this episode, I speak to Ryan Hagen, um, who did work on the modelling and the animation for the film. Um, our chat actually went on for quite a little while, so I've split it up into two parts. And we're going to start today with the introduction and his work on the modelling, and then the next one will be more uh, featuring the work he did with the animation. But before I get into that, I just wanted to go through a bit of an update for the project. Um, so there were several things that got added to the animatic in the last update, including uh, several new shots, uh, just to make certain things a little bit clearer. One of the things you might have noticed is that there's now a little peep mini-story. Essentially, one of the peeps, halfway through the film, uh, the hologram pops up and they fail to have a match. And this same peep reoccurs in three shots with death on screen in the middle of the film so that it sort of parallels her lonely journey so that when she looks down for the third time at this lonely peep who's not been matched up, she's reminded of how lonely she is. At the end of the film, you'll actually see this same a uh, little, uh, probably going to be a red female peep, will actually find her match, so we resolve the mini story. But it's just kind of there as a sort of an echoing her story and um, making things a little bit clearer. And Marcus is working on the animation for that at the moment. One really cool thing is that Ishkander did some effects for the, the bubbles that form around the peeps, and you should definitely go and check out that. They look, they look really good, and it's just like... So each peep has a bubble that forms around it when they're tagged by Cupid's wand, and then when they touch each other, the bubbles merge into one, so it gives you that sort of visual style that reminds you that the couples have come together. One of the big things that we had to address over the last few months was trying to get the teaser trailer up to speed. We came pretty close to getting most of the animation done. There's just one or two shots left to be animated, and then I'll make more of an effort to get all the shots rendered. Uh, we did have several shots that I had a go at trying to get rendered, and uh, we worked a few kinks out of the production pipeline at that stage and worked out how we were going to do it and managed to get three shots at least partially rendered so you could get an idea of what they were going to look like. There are aspects of those shots that we're going to come back to and tweak a little bit, but basically we're in the ballpark of what the shots, uh, the film will look like in those three shots. Uh, we're also up to 36% of all the animation being done for the whole film, which is pretty impressive. Um, we actually had kind of a quiet summer and some of the animators slowed down a little bit, um, but we're people are coming back um, bit by bit, and we're picking up speed again now. In fact, we've had a few new um, animators sign up fairly recently. I want to thank Alex Crouch and Daniel Holzapfel, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, for their work on the colour script, because they've now completely fleshed out the entire film in broad strokes of the colour script. Now, what the next step will be is to bring every single one of these images into one panel and tweak with the colours and push them around and figure out how the colours change across the arc of the film. Uh, we've got some early versions of that in place, but we need to do, work on that a little bit more. Um, but that's been really great, and that's going to be a good um, example of how we're going to do the colours when it comes to the rendering. I noticed that um, a few people were struggling with the idea of putting three videos up when they uploaded updates to their animation, and I just want to explain that a little bit further so that everybody understood why we were doing it. Essentially, we have each animator has one thread for their animation, 
where ideally what you want to be doing is posting your video and your notes and I'll post my notes and then that way you have one thread that we can follow all the way through the course of the entire project. On top of that though, what you tend to find is that most of the people just browsing around the site uh, are more likely to look in the video gallery to review the latest um, videos rather than sift through a big long thread like that. So it's well worth putting your video into the video gallery because you'll get more just casual notes from the rest of the team. Um, if you don't put it in the video gallery, you'll tend to notice that you'll only ever hear from me. So you'll have director's notes, but you won't get as much feedback as you might like. The other big picture reason to put your videos in the gallery is because those videos become a very visual way to help sell the project to other talented people that want to work on the project. In a sense, if we only had a forum where people had to dig very deep to find the pretty, attractive, interesting things to look at, then you'd lose people very quickly. So the idea is that by having a gallery of images and a gallery of videos, uh, people that come to the project for the first time can very quickly get an idea of the interesting things that are going on in the project without having to sift through very large quantities of text. So in a sense, by putting your video in the gallery, you're helping sell the project to other talented people that are going to follow through and make the film better for it. So I'm encouraging everybody to help do their part to sell the film to people because essentially it will make your work look better if more talented people come to work on the project. If you don't do your part, if you're constantly doing everything privately, then I have to compensate for that and I have to try and do all the selling for you. And unfortunately, just me trying to promote the project on my own is nowhere near as effective as the entire team doing a little bit themselves um, as a group. Then, of course, the most important one is that the Play Blast and the Maya file needs to be put into our file syncing system in Dropbox in the correct location, in the correct format. And what that video actually does is if you just replace the previous video and you uh, abide by the rules in the animated handbook, that video will replace the video that's in the edit so that you can automatically be updating the edit with the latest stuff. Now what that means is that effectively every time I do a, an animatic update and publish a new version you can be sure that your latest work is going to be in there. It also gives you the best way possible for you to make sure that you're, what you're working on ties exactly to the frame to what's in the edit. If you don't place it in there or you're not updating it or you play blast it wrong a little bit or anything like that then it can mess things up and I frequently actually have to make corrections and pick up the slack when somebody does something a little bit wrong but the idea is if everybody does it right then it reduces my workload which means I can spend more time on other more aspects but if uh, too many people make uh, mistakes then I, I tend to find myself spending too much time chasing after people Fortunately, it doesn't happen too often, actually, and there's only a small number of cases where I've had to um, fix anything up, so it's going pretty well overall. Um, then I just wanted to also uh, remember that we are looking for new animators. The standard is very high on the project, I will stress that. So I'll be looking at showreels the whole time, and I do re-review old people's um, showreels who have signed up in the past, but as a general rule, if you're... If you think that you're up to the quality of the film's animation at its best, 
then please get in touch. Please sign up if you haven't already and have a chat with me so that we can uh, discuss how we can best integrate you into the film. Um, I can't take on absolutely everybody, though, because we have to have a certain level of quality that we're all aiming for. And uh, unfortunately, it's very hard to teach animation over the website. So generally speaking, I'm looking for a certain level of experience and animation skills that is on par with the best team members. Anyway, um, on to the chat with Ryan Hagen. And I know that I'll never let you go. A brand new forever has started and I'm here with our project's secret weapon, Ryan Hagen. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Good. Um, a quick summary, uh, Ryan's actually been involved in the project since really early 2009, and uh, he's done a lot of big things for us, uh, like uh, modeling the devil character, and he's now been doing some of the character animation. Plus, he's just been a general supporter for the project for quite some time. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a summary of your background, Ryan? Uh, sure. Um, well, let's see. I started animating when I was a, a kid. I used to do flip books and all that stuff before I really knew. I mean, I didn't really think of it as animation, I guess. I just kind of did it. Um, I wasn't really interested in doing it for a living, didn't know you could do it for a living. Um, I was mostly doing it just to get a... A reaction out of my siblings <laughs> uh, and then kind of got lost for a little while didn't know what I wanted to do thought about becoming a pro golfer <laughs> uh, thankfully that didn't work out <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, and then uh, I, I just kind of took a road trip one summer and and uh, happened to, to go through Denver and met some people that were talking about an art school that I didn't really know about I mean I saw commercials, like that commercial that you could take that test and send it in. Uh, I don't know if you all remember that. It was, like, by some Disney animators, I think. But you, like, drew a turtle or something like that. All right. So I, I did that, and I never heard anything about that. But then while I was in, in Denver, I went to uh, the Art Institute, which kind of was my first experience into an art school. I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but I wouldn't say it was an awesome experience, that whole that whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't touch computers at all, really. It was mostly just 2D and, and stop motion. Um, one of my instructors, Everett Brown, was an animator for the Peanuts. Uh -huh. And uh, at the time, I was just kind of trying to make things move, <laughs> like all the graphic design stuff. I guess it was like early motion graphics stuff that I was trying to do. And... He kind of took notice of that and asked me if I wanted to come in and start animating, and I did. Oh, wow. Um, I did some stop motion. I think I did. Uh, Will Vinton was um, was a big influence on me, so I started doing, like, Einstein animations. Yeah. I don't know if you remember some of old Will's stuff. Like, he did a lot of Einstein animations. I don't remember what they were called at the moment, but... So I did that, and then I did a lot of 2D stuff. I still got it in folders laying around somewhere. Yeah, I know. Um, I've got piles of it, like big boxes full of paper. <laughs> yeah, I'm a horrible organizer, horrible when it comes to, like, my own work. It's it's all over the place. Like, I'll find stuff that I did mixed together with stuff that I did with recently, and ugh, 
it's I, I need to get a better uh, grip on that stuff, my own stuff. <laughs> and then I just uh, I, w- I went through that. I I used like Photoshop three. I used 3D Max release or not Max 3D Studio release three and four. And then a week after I graduated, somebody had told me that there was a position for animation in my hometown. Oh wow. Yeah, and I, I never thought that that would be a possibility. And then I, so I called them. I just called them. And I didn't really know, like, how to model or texture, light, or anything like that. It was, I basically just called them and said, hey, I can do all that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so a week after graduation, I show up there, and I find out they're using a program called Lightwave, which I had never even heard of. So they just, like, threw me on that and said, do stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, so I would go home every night after that. Like I would, I would learn as much as I could at that job, mm. modeling wise, texture wise, rigging, all that stuff in a program that I knew nothing about. So I mean, I was I was learning it on my own as fast as I could. Mm. But then I would go home, and luckily I was I was uh, only had one kid at the time, not four. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, Anytime I got a free chance, I would be working in that software. It was a pain. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's where I learned a whole lot of stuff, like some general skills. But then it, it, uh, I really, and the animation that they were looking for, it was GIF animations for web. Yeah. So it wasn't really all that detailed. I didn't have to worry about polish. I didn't have to worry about any, I mean, it was like 12 frames and do as much as you can in 12 frames with as, you know, like 12 poses and that's it. And then it loops. So that was a struggle, but I think it pushed me into liking animation more. I mean, it was very pose driven animations. Um, you had to sell everything in 12 frames. So you, you had to get everything right on every frame. It was, it was pretty, it was easy, but it was challenging at the same time. But then I, I came across the CG car. I call it CG care. Back then, I think it was just a mailing list. And then it turned into a forum maybe like a month after I found it. But um, there were people like Keith Lango and Victor Navone and, and uh, Jason Taylor and all those people on there. And I was like, man, they were helping each other. So I was like, I'm going to just I'm, I was too shy. I didn't, you know. I wasn't showing any of my own work. I thought it all stank, and it did. Um, <laughs> and I was just watching what they were doing and trying to, you know, pick up as much as I could from what they were saying to each other. Um, there was a ton of people on there. But then 10 Second Club started, and for me, that was like a big push into starting to do more. I would call it more serious animation. It wasn't like GIF animation where it was like, okay, get it done, get it done, boom. You know, make 30 of these a day and you're good. This was like you could spend an entire month on an animation. And I was like, oh, you know. And it wasn't like it was personal, but it felt more different to me. It, it wasn't. It felt like a job kind of, the 10 Second Club, at first for me. It didn't feel like a competition. I didn't feel like I was competing against anybody, really. It just felt like I was trying to get something done within a certain time frame. And back then, for me, a month was not enough for me. But I think doing that, and and I did submit a few. I can't remember how many I did, but I think that was where I really started saying, I don't want to do anything else. I want to 
anime. And I, I, I kept all that other stuff, you know, I, 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 in a little bag of tricks, I, just so I could do my own stuff. I wasn't really, I'm still not into using, like, free rigs that people find. And, I, you know, people are using, were you, at that time, were using the Janeri rig? I don't know if you remember that rig yeah. at all. Um, I'm a fan of that one. <laughs> yeah, I got so sick of seeing that. So I wanted to be able to make my own stuff, um, just to keep it different from other people. At least now there's a few more rigs. But mm. um, And then after that, I just started moving around the country. I, I had done the anime. It was called Animation Factory. I worked there for like five or six years. Mm. Um, and I was like, I this is not what I got into this for. I mean, it's animation. It's doing things here and there. But this isn't what I wanted to do. So I, I just kind of gave my two-week notice without a plan. And said, I'm out of here. And then I moved down to Phoenix. And while I was down there, I was just working on some of my own stuff. I uh, went to a SIGGRAPH, uh, met a lot of cool people. Um, and then I came back and I got a job. Like, these people out of nowhere called me from uh, Las Vegas and said, we want you to come animate on a, on a Cirque du Soleil show. I was like, uh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's. Uh, I, I didn't know you guys did animation, but I, I'm not a gymnast. You know that, right? <laughs> and, and they were like, yeah, come on down. So I was, or up, I guess. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. It was only like a four or five month gig, but the money was really good, and the experience was going to be really good. It was only, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, they said that the animation wasn't going to be too intense, and it ended up being extremely intense. I animated a phoenix, like a, a burning phoenix, the rising phoenix, and it had to fly around a dome, a, a 360. It was like an IMAX type of thing. Mm-hmm. It had a big dome up uh, on the, like, seven stories up, and all of our animations were showing on, I think, six or seven screens that were maybe 20, 10 feet apart. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty bizarre, but th- it was a good experience. I-, I got to work with a lot of cool people, uh, mostly Belgians. So I, I had to uh, I had to learn some some language that uh, I can't remember now, but it-, it mostly consisted of cuss words and <laughs> trying to trying to pick up French girls with a French language. It didn't work too well, <laughs> but I still keep in touch with those guys. I keep in touch with everybody that I've worked with. Really, it's it's uh, it's been amazing. Mm. But um, so after that job, uh, I went back down to Phoenix, uh, stayed maybe another month or so there. And then a company in Minneapolis called Wet Cement, Mm. they called me. Apparently, I shoved the resume, my resume, uh, in the face of one of the art directors at um, SIGGRAPH. And I kind of took them off guard by doing that, I guess. So, uh, you know, people make flashy DVD covers and flashy resumes. I say just go throw it in their face and be like, here, here it is, hire me. <laughs> they got me the job. I did a, a test for him. It was, um, he said, uh, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, uh, well, make a, a shot of a character going from sad to happy. And I said, okay. Um, and he said, keep track of your time and and send it when you're done and then um we'll go from there and i said okay so i did the test sent it to them uh maybe like a week a week or two later they told me they wanted me so i drove up there 
And I worked on a season of a show called Auto Be Good, which was about uh, a bunch of cars that teach kids character traits and you know positive character traits and things like that. So and it was it was aired on PBS. I think it's still being aired, but that was intense. Uh, it was my real first television experience. The amount of frames they wanted, like weekly, was really high. Um, they didn't care much about quality, so I mean, if I wanted to work on my reel, it was like I had to pick one shot that I could spend time on, and then the rest I would just have to pump out. So that was a little frustrating for me, but it, it was a good experience. Just I was actually working with a lot of people. I could show them my work and get instant feedback, um, and they knew that we were all under the same deadlines, so they knew where I could push things and where I couldn't. So that, to me, was the best part, was actually being able to rub elbows with, with other people constantly. And then we also did a few straight-to-DVD things called Bug Rangers. I think it was called Ro- yeah, it was called Roach Approach at the beginning, and then it switched to Bug Rangers because Roach apparently turned moms off or something. I don't know. So that we, I think I worked on three or four of those. And they were made by a studio called Wacky Wacky World Productions down in Florida, but he he uh, contracted the animation to Wet Cement, so he would come up and give us reviews and all that sort of thing. But that those were the ones that we got to um, really spend a little bit more time on shots. I mean, it was still pretty tight the deadlines, but we, we got to push things a little more. And we, we typically had, like, daily reviews. Uh, it would be mostly just uh, two two leads in a room with you. It was like a sweat box, really. It was just two leads and you, and they were sitting there telling you where you stink and where it rocks, and you fixed it. Now, then let's see here. Wet Cement itself stopped doing animation production. So I was like, well, you know, they offered me to stay there. And I was like, well, if you're not going to animate, I need to go. You know, I mean, I, I want to be animating. So I left there, uh, came back to my home city, which is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, and heard about a place called Keyframe, which is this, like, division of uh, Dactronics, which is which makes, like, giant LED boards, like the ones you see in New York and stuff. Yeah. So we... I applied there, and I don't know how I got the job, because all I did was I showed them character work, and that was it. And they were, like, doing motion graphics, you know, like, logos and all this stuff. But they were like, ooh, ah, characters, we love this stuff. (laughs) Do you want the job? I'm like, yeah, I can't really animate streamers and logos that well, I I don't think. I've never really done it. They're like, oh, we'll teach you. So I went in, and they gave me, I mean, they worked with really bizarre aspect ratios. Like, some of the animations were 10,000 or 20,000 pixels wide by, like, 120 high. It's like, uh, okay. And they, <laughs> you have to have something going on in all of it at all the time. And it's just, it was really intense. But then there were, you know, here and there you'd get some more, uh, you know, typical aspect ratio stuff that would be playing on you know big boards inside of uh venues like baseball stadiums and 
football stadiums and a lot of different places, malls, things like that. We also did a lot of previs and, and I, I don't know if it's previs. I, I would say it's more like concept work to show clients that what could, what these boards could look like in their stadiums or in their malls. So we'd have to model up a mall, model, model up a stadium mm. um, and all that and then just mock things up. But it, it was a lot of fun. The, the downside was that there's very little character work, if any. So I would be coming home every night and just doing my own thing until I found you. Hey! <laughs> Why don't you tell them how you, how you found out about the project then? Well, I was on uh, 11 Second Club, I think it was. Probably, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, you've been there as well for a while. So I've been watching your animations that you, I think, submitted to a couple of the contests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just... I think I added you as one of my one of my favorite links in my toolbar thing in my browser. So I would visit your site every now and again just to see what you were up to, and, and you also had a lot to say. You know, I mean, helpful stuff to say. So I was like, okay, this guy's cool. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's it's not like there's a lot of people out there that say hateful stuff or anything like that. It's just you you just kind of stuck out to me as like, oh, this guy comes in and he's like commenting on a lot of different people's stuff and he's not just coming in and saying, oh, this looks great, can't wait to see the next update. You know, you actually had stuff to, you suggested changes and and to me that was cool. I like that, so. And then you posted, I think it was on 11 Second Club, you posted the first bit, like, who wants to help on a short? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And and I said, hey, if you want help, I'll help. And I think it just kind of started from there. We kind of started sharing some emails, and then, I don't remember, where did it, for, it wasn't on Ning first, it was it just like... No, we were just kind of bouncing emails around. There was about six of us for a while, wasn't there? Um, yeah. We just, but the thing was, it kind of got to a point where we were starting to get more people signing up for the email list who were not active at the time. And I just thought, well, this isn't fair, because that means we're sending an email, dozens of them per day, to yeah. everybody on this list, and that must be getting annoying. So that's Yeah, it, it, it did get pretty crazy especially when we had like one email that like 10 or well like six or 10 people that were trying to communicate in that one email and it was like oh man and then there were all these attachments like great pictures (laughs) and videos and stuff uh, two megabyte pictures and yeah it was a good idea to get on a forum it really was Mm -hmm. and i think we talked i mean this was like Really early on, we talked about things like Celtics, or I don't know how you pronounce it. It's like the screenwriting um, software where you could share your. I, I don't. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that. Were, yeah, we explored a lot of different things. I remember trying out Groove for syncing issues. Um, oh, there was so much stuff out there, and there, there, there was no standardized platform for doing any of this stuff, so we had to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. And I, and I think I, you had mentioned Ning, and I had worked on a freelance project that was using Ning. So oh, I, yeah. said I, I said I already knew how to use it. I think um, we both worked on that, but at different times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. Mm. And then, so I think you just kind of decided on, I was trying to help you find what, I, I was just linking to you like 500 things that you could possibly use. Mm. And uh, I think you just settled on Ning because it, and it stinks because they started charging you now. It's like, 
Yeah, but to be frank, uh, the value we've gotten out of it, it's more... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...thing is, like, dropping the ocean, I was more than happy to pay for it when it finally came around to it. <laughs> right. And once that got started, then you really started getting, like, people left and right wanting to help you. Mm. Which I thought was, I mean, it was with, you know, six or ten people sharing emails, it was kind of... And you were doing, like, the CG Talk thing where you went and you posted in the collaboration forum as well. And we tried to, I remember I tried to get more people involved over there because I, I, that's where I know a lot of people, but I don't know. It didn't, it didn't drum up the, the participation. I don't think as much as Ning has. Well, one of the things was back then we didn't really know the best way to attract attention. It, it took us the best part of a whole year to just figure out what was the best way to spread the word. Right. Yeah, and uh, and what kind of people to approach or where to put them, what forums to put them in that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, I guess that that, is, that would be a challenge. I guess that brings me to one of my first uh, one of my first questions I wrote down for oh, you. Oh, come on then. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, why did you Why did you want to go public with your project? Why did you want to get as many different people working on this as possible? Well, it was just one of those things. I'd seen lots of other people try and make a film entirely themselves and if you only work on it yourself for starters you've got so many issues like self-motivation the fact that you need to know how to do everything at the end of the day main reason to do this was to create a calling card to say hey this is what i'm capable of but you don't need to be capable of 100 percent of the things you only need to be capable of the thing that you're applying for jobs for so you know this was a long time and it's several jobs ago but I thought, okay, this is a calling card. But I mean, I can I can be a specialist in a number of areas, but I don't need to be a specialist in all of them. So I'm quite happy to share the credit. And I also would like just to have some team members to team up with and partner with and, you know, feel like we're all working on it together. So, of course, then the next obstacle was the fact that everyone I spoke to and I, and I had some writer friends as well who were, were creating their own stuff. And they were all like, oh, no, you have to keep it top secret. You know, don't tell anyone because they'll steal your ideas and run off with it. But that's because those people were all their mentalities that they were creating something to sell to a network to turn into some TV series or a feature film and make their millions. But my attitude at the time was more that I just wanted something to act as a calling card for my skills. I had watched the business long enough to know that you don't really the odds of selling something and getting your TV series or feature film made are so slim that if you only pursue that, then you don't go very far. Whereas if by pursuing just making something and making it good, you at least have a really good calling card. So it bothered me that other people would join in. And I started trying to get people who were involved, who were living in my same city and it didn't really take off. So I I figured I was going to have to take it online eventually, but I needed more stuff to show. So I guess the six months leading up to when I uh, first was, you got in touch with me was, um, just putting together things like um, a more refined version of the script and the, the character designs. And and I think around about the time that, that you first got in touch, it was, uh, I, I don't even remember how much of the storyboard existed. I'd done something, maybe, but not an, a heck of a lot. Yeah, and, not a lot. No, I, I sort of I blitzed through the thumbnails during January, I think it was. And then I was spending the rest of the year doing the more polished ones. So... I mean, I still kind of knew that I had to do more to convince other people to get involved. And so that was my goal for quite a while. Yeah, I guess I think you put up the story first, if I remember correctly. And I remember reading the story 
or like a synopsis or whatever you want to call it. And then you put up the storyboards. But I, I was just, I think that's what got me interested in the first place was the just the story of it all. Because mm. we were still developing the character designs a little bit at that point. Yeah, I mean, you had a, you had a general idea. Yeah. I think. And you, but, you did some sketches as well and a few other people chipped in and a few bits and bobs here as well. Right. I was just kind of more or less... Uh, I'm not a concept designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I was just kind of like, I was trying to throw out as many different ideas as I could. Mm. That was what I, for me, that was the, I was really trying to get like different eye shapes, different, you know, just different looks, but still trying to keep the, the general character that I thought he was supposed to be or felt like he was supposed to be. So I mean, that's I thought that was a really fun fun part of the whole project. Actually, I know. Just, in fact, one of your uh, a couple of your sketches for Cupid ended up influencing the final Cupid. Really? I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, the Cupid that existed back then was kind of a bit um, fatter and had more round rounded beard and everything. And then you did one that kind of looked a little bit more like a hobo. It was a, it was a little bit. Um, I think I was channeling George Carlin or something. He was kind of skinnier and scrawnier, and he just looked a bit more rough around the edges. And I, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting direction to go in. So that's the end of the direction we ended up taking for Cupid. That's cool. I, I actually didn't know that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> then one of the things that uh, Ryan did was he jumped into the character modeling. Mm. Tell us a bit about that. It's a pain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually don't mind modeling as long as it's only like character stuff. I, I can't model that well. Um, I can get general shapes down. Like I do my own stuff. So I, and then I, I have friends that I'll ask to, to look at it and, and tell me where I screwed up. But I just wanted to essentially just kind of get the ball rolling, you know, just mm. say that, um, you know, I mean, I, I think we were – I had gotten to a point where like – I was like, I felt confident that this project was going to be a lot of fun to work on. I thought it was going to, you know, if if you, I thought if you had something to, sh- to like 3D to show people to say, hey, this is starting. I thought it might generate more of, hey, I'm going to help this project type of spirit, I guess, because that's, I mean, that's really why I got into it. Like, if I just like to help, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. I, it's corny that was, that, a, that was uh, a huge leap of faith, actually. Cause... Well, it's corny, you know, but it, that's just how I am. It's I, I like to I like to make new friends and I like to help. And I wanted to get the ball rolling and I really wanted to work on this project. And I thought, hey, if we, you know, at least get even if we didn't use this character in the long run, I was just like, you know, I, I'm just going to do this. Because you didn't, I didn't ask you if I if I could do it. Really, I don't. Think no, I, no, that was the really weird thing. It was um, no one had really taken on any assignments like that yet, and you just kind of jumped in and said, "Hey, look, here's something I've started with." And I was like, "What?" My that <laughs> <laughs> <out of> my head. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't expect you to actually like use it or anything. I was just kind of I was gonna model it, rig it up, and like do some little test animation. That was my original idea. And then you liked it, and I was like, oh, crap, I don't think he knows what he's getting into. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, one of the things we then started doing was um, I just started scribbling over your um, posts of the pictures of the models and everything, and we went through the motions like that. Yep. Make this a little bit fatter, make this a little bit bigger, make bend this a little bit more, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and for me, that was like... 
really ex a big learning experience because I was looking at your drawings and, you know, I thought, oh, this is not going to be doable, you know, in 3D. So I was like, I think I started with like really big eyes and they were perfectly round and, and you're like, well, this is a little nutty, but all right. Uh, so then you, you, you did, you started sketching on it and I tried to... I stopped caring. I didn't. I stopped thinking about how am I going to rig this, and I just kind of started doing what you were asking instead of trying to think of a problem before actually trying something. Mm. Which I kind of do in my own modeling. You know, it's like, oh, because I'm not a big fan of either <laughs> of modeling <laughs> or rigging. Um, so like when I'm modeling, I, I'm constantly thinking, oh, is this going to be hard to rig? <laughs> so, <laughs> So I think that's kind of where, you know... Hey, that's helpful. I think I'm the same way. I'm always thinking several steps ahead. <laughs> yeah. It was it was interesting for me to just say, well, I'm not going... He likes this, and I'm not going to be rigging it. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so I'm not going to care about the rigging process. Whoever wants to put themselves through that can... <laughs> can <do that. laughs> so um, I started modeling, and then I had some home issues <laughs> and i had to stop and i think i don't know i don't remember who took over the model well, I think I was, you managed to get it to a point where the hair was the right shape ish right and without some of the details but the body was pretty much there and we just didn't have a tail yet uh, right i think with as with a lot of the characters um it passed through a couple of different people's hands before it actually finally got completed but it was one of the first ones to get completed, essentially, or at least to a really good state. Right. Yeah, and who, uh, whoever, I'm sorry, I don't know who worked on it. Whoever did work on the model, it looks great now. So all those little details that they had, like the little flap over the eye, mm. it, I, I thought it, you know, like, because I took like maybe a month off of the project while I was fixing stuff up around here, and I came back and I was like, whoa. And you guys had them textured up and everything. Mm. I thought it was pretty cool. The hair, I really like the hair. Whoever, <laughs> whoever does hair like that is... is I think it might have been an Australian guy. I'd have to check that one, though. So apologies if I've got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, whoever did it... <laughs> yeah. I, it's really hard, actually, with all the character models to point a single finger at the one person who did everything. Um, That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, I mean... I can easily say that you did most of the base for the devil, and then um, Arthur Baranov did most of the base for the other two characters. Okay. Although uh, probably Cupid went through a lot more changes than Death did. Uh, but Arthur did an awful lot of the work getting Death um, into shape, and he clearly enjoyed that model because uh, it was quite polished by the time he was done with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sh they're all... They're all really good-looking models now, so mm. whoever did all the work on them, well done. Let me ask you one more. Where did you? Where did this whole idea come from? Where did Devil's Angels and Dating come from? Oh, uh, is it a dream? <laughs> I was interested in the whole theme of internet dating for a while because I was doing it, and I was just fascinated with it. It was like a new thing that I hadn't seen on TV or... Uh, stories about it very much so it was just something circling my mind i came up with 
some really early version of a story in my head once when I was on a, a plane coming back from Australia. Uh, maybe looking out the window, seeing the clouds might have influenced me at some stage. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I wrote, uh, I don't know, about 20 different drafts of stories, most of them too long, um, before eventually whittling it down to something like this that felt like I could achieve it. I guess it's just been influenced by a lot of different things over the years. I think my LinkedIn says that I've been working on it for about three and a half years, but not solidly. <laughs> yeah, off and on. Yeah. Yeah. Until early, early 2009 when it got really serious, you know, and that's when I met you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> And that was the first part of the conversation with Ryan Hagen. We'll continue in episode 12 with the second part, uh, where Ryan goes more into depth with his work on the animation for the film. In the meantime, if you'd like to look up our project that we're working on, you can find us at devilsangelsanddating.com. Devils, angels.